0: I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome welcome to episode 111 in which I review more stuff. And I'm recording this on Wednesday and I believe it's November 28th. I don't think I've lost track of a day, but I might have, 2012. And um, I got a lot going on tonight, so I'm going to try to do this relatively quickly because I am... Recording this instead of finishing up Easy Street Week 1, which I really need to get to, so I'm kind of hoping I can get this recorded and posted and still have time to um, try to finish up Easy Street Week 1, but I'll talk more about that later. Uh, I want to say thank you so much to everybody who's listening. And thank you um, to everybody who has left comments. I do have a lot of listener feedback this week, and I will try to... I probably won't be able to respond to each and every email um, or notification comment on the blog, but I will certainly thank you all. And um, it's just been a fun week, a lot going on. So I'm going to cover most of that in the Sandy update. Uh, But just the general blanket, thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for those of you who have commented, and thank you for those of you who have just thought really, really hard about commenting and haven't been able to get to it. I know I do it all the time, <laughs> so no skin off my nose, I gotcha. Um, in today's episode, we are going to, of course, start with Creative Bytes, and then I've got just one announcement, then I have a boatload of a Sandy update, some content, I am going to review some things, and then, of course, listener feedback. So let's get started. Creative Bites this week. These are for anybody who's new to this podcast. I um, have recently begun adding this into the podcast. I begin every episode with just supposedly about three to five minutes of motivation, suggestions, activities for the week, and so forth. This week's might go a little bit over three to five minutes because it's kind of deep. And actually, it's kind of something I'm still mentally processing. I I debated waiting until I had some more fully formed thought about this one to share with you, and then I decided, what the hey, might as well invite you to walk along with me as I'm processing this. Whenever I do one of these Creative Bites, or actually anything pretty much I talk about, I generally work from the assumption that I'm not particularly unique. Now, let that be known that, yes, I think every one of us is unique. We're all uniquely gifted and talented. I do um, I um work in that world. <laughs> so, yes, I do believe that. However, I do also believe there's a whole lot of human beings in this world. And if I have a thought, then probably somebody else has had a very similar thought. That's basically how I work. So I do believe if I'm kind of working my way through something, chances are somebody who's listening to this podcast might find something meaningful in that. Most of you probably won't, and I'm okay with that. (laughs) The nice thing about podcasts is you can turn down the volume for a little while, do something else, and then come back to it. So anyway, this week's Creative Bites. I am reading a book. Um, This is in uh, those of you who have been listening for a while know that my professional life, I am engaged in professional ministry, and so I do a lot of um, spiritual reading, And currently, actually for the last long time, because this is an evening, I use it as kind of an evening um, spiritual reflection resource. It's a book called In the Sanctuary of Women, A Companion for Reflection and Prayer by Jan Richardson. It's an excellent book. If you're in the market for something like this, I would recommend you look it up. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it because I have other books I want to review later. But let me talk a little bit about one thing that I read actually several nights ago, but my brain just latched onto it and won't let go, and I keep coming back to this phrase. Um, One of the evening readings basically has the the theme of longing and patience stand side by side. Here's the background. The the book is a series of reflections that are based on um, either biblical women or historical women and their writings and their um, stories, etc., and what we can then glean from them for our own spiritual growth. And this one comes out of a section on Hildegard of Bingen. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I'm not sure. I'm sorry. It's German. Um, Hildegard was a German abbess, visionary, and writer who lived from 1098 to 1179, and she was a Christian mystic. She was a, a visionary, had a lot of visions. And in this particular section, she's uh, the, the author, Jan Richardson, is describing um, Hildegard's writing about one of her visions. And Hildegard had a series of visions with this group of um, womanly figures, as they're described, called the virtues. And the virtues are things such as humility, charity, hope, wisdom, fortitude, etc., and they occupy a building that um, is described as signifying the history of salvation. So that's, you know, kind of all your background for it. But as she's describing where all of these virtues, who they are, and where they're standing in relationship to each other, et cetera, at the towards the end of this particular reflection, it says um, that Hildegard also describes seeing two more virtues inside the building, patience and longing. Longing stands next to patience, Hildegard writes. And then Jan Richardson goes on to say, Noting this detail in my journal, I wrote, oh yes, she does. Yes, patience and longing stand together. And yes, I am wedged in between them. And then the very next evening's reflection is a poem. And I'm just going to read this whole poem to you because it'll help you understand kind of the background to what I'm now processing. Longing stands next to patience. Longing would sometimes like to be assigned a different spot, would like to be less near this one who approaches everything with such equanimity, would like some distance from the measured way that Patience marks time, holds herself with such politeness towards its passing. Patience knows this about longing, accepts it, even loves it about her. This makes longing crazy. Patience has not told her she has some envy of longing's perfect ache, or what she thinks it must be an art, to hold oneself so perpetually poised toward the horizon. For her part, longing has not confessed that there are days she finds patience restful, soothing, a relief. Meanwhile, by little and by little, so slowly its appearance will startle them both, a horizon is drawing near." And then each evening's uh, readings end with a blessing, and that night's blessing is, May longing and patience teach you by turns, not just the fire, but the tending of it, not just the well, but the digging, not just the vision, but the enduring it asks, by day and by darkness, drawing us on. Now, obviously, I'm reading this book for my you know, spiritual life, and so, I have been thinking about what do longing and patience mean to me as a spiritual being, but I've also found myself applying it to a lot of other places in my life as well that image of longing and patience standing side by side and I've talked in previous uh episodes a few months back about I'm really trying to engage in a more healthy living lifestyle, you know paying being more attentive to what I'm eating and more attentive to exercise and you know, there's some mental work in there as well with um, wrapping your head around being healthy, basically. And so I, I was also kind of thinking about longing and patience in, in that regard as well, because, you know, we tend to live in a society in which we expect to lose all that weight and lose it right now, you know. <laughs> and no, it does not work that way. That's not even healthy. So I've been thinking about it in that term. And then, of course, in my creative life, I found myself really wondering every time I go to my sewing table or start playing with fabric, I find myself wrapping my head around that phrase again, longing and patience, standing side by side. What does that mean about our creative beings? What does that mean about our creative selves? I I think about longing. What is it I want to, that I long for out of my quilt making? And, you know, we talk about, oh, I want to learn this skill, or I really, really wish I was better at that. But But why? What outcome are we looking for? It's not just making a beautiful quilt. We are getting something else out of it. (laughs) So I find myself wondering, yes, you want to do a perfect quilt, but why do you want to do a perfect quilt? You're not doing a perfect quilt just to say, oh, look at that, I did a perfect quilt. There's some other outcome. You're getting fed some other way about that. And each one of us would answer that differently. I'm not saying there's a single answer to it. And so what I've been doing is really thinking through, well, what is it in my quilting that I'm longing for what am I reaching through it and what does that say then about patience where do i need patience how does patience play into my quilt making and and yes of course some of that is skills i i have to have patience with myself as i'm building up certain skills or you know certain things i'm trying out for the first time yes but it again it's more than that it's not just about skills it's not just about techniques There is something else going on in our creative beings when we become engaged in this. You know, it's, it's, oh, there is something else going on. And that's, that's what I've been really thinking through a lot. Longing and patience. Standing side by side. So for this Creative Bites, no, I don't have any quick, you know, hey, if you just think this way, you know, no, I'm I'm throwing something at you. I want you to wrap your head around it and mull on it a little bit too. Um, I want it to keep you up at night like it's been keeping me up at night because I like to share that kind of wealth. Um, So just ponder on that phrase a little bit and see where it speaks to you. It may not be in terms of your quilting. Maybe it will be somewhere else in your life, but think about longing and patience standing side by side. Just wrap your head around that one for a bit. And that's Creative Bites for this week. Okay, And yes, I did go over three to five minutes. Sorry, next week's a little more straightforward. Okay, my one single announcement. Yes, it is that time of year again. I am going to do my New Year Quilty Resolutions giveaway again. Um, Those of you who have been listeners know this is actually our third year at this, the third time I've done this. So I will um, really be working out the detail by the next episode. I'm just kind of giving you some forewarning to start thinking about what are your quilty resolutions for the new year. Now, last year, I it'll probably be closer to last year than it was the first year. Last year I got a little more um hmm less. Actually, I got a little less <laughs> about what I was asking people to do. Um wasn't looking for, you know, give me your list of UFOs. There's there's other folks doing UFO alongs that are great. Those are fantastic ways to motivate yourself to to do something. Mine tend to be a little more, hmm, is esoteric the right word? I don't know. (laughs) It might be. But I will be doing something that's similar to what I did last year. And I will post an opportunity for you to give me your resolutions as part of that giveaway. Don't give them to me yet. I'm not ready for them yet. Just start thinking. And then, of course, there will be giveaways prizes involved. So I will be announcing all of those dates and the specifics and posting a link to a place where you can submit them and everything um, next week. And just to let you know, on Facebook just recently, just a few weeks ago, we had a little bit of conversation about last year's New Year resolutions. I did post the spreadsheet that I had created out of everybody's uh, resolutions last year to the Facebook page so that a few people could check up on where they were at with their resolutions. And so if somebody wants to report in, that would be great. If you did last year's New Year's resolution, a quilty resolution, and would like to report back to us how you did so far this year, then um, please do. I would love to talk about that on an upcoming episode. And remember, you've got how many weeks? maybe five weeks left until the end of the year. So if you haven't completed all your resolutions yet, might be time to double check that list and see if you've got some stuff you can knock out. So that is the next giveaway will be my New Year resolutions giveaway. Okay, Sandy update. Black Friday, so in. woohoo! that was so much fun and I got so much done. (laughs) It was wonderful. I really appreciate everybody that played along. I had two winners off of my blog, and then I had four winners off of Twitter. Now, um, full disclosure here, there was one person that actually won three things <laughs> all together. I emailed her and I told her she should go buy a lottery ticket right now because she the sun was shining on her. So, When I say there were two winners and then four winners, that was actually kind of there were two prizes and four prizes. There weren't actually that number of winners. I do have one Twitter winner that never got back to me, so I'm going to try to track her down again. Unfortunately, um, I can't send her a direct message because she's not a follower. So if you know who you are, because I did send you a tweet Um. try to be in touch with me. I'm going to try to be in touch with you again. If I can't get a hold of you in another few days, I'm going to just, I don't know, draw a winner from at random from anybody who comments on my blog. I don't know what I'll do, but I'll figure out something because I still have this other prize I do want to get off my shelf. So thank you so much for everybody for playing that. Thank you especially to Fat Quarter Shop for sponsoring my giveaway, for um, offering that gift certificate. And they do still have a sale going on. If you're listening to this tonight, as soon as I post it, or any time during the day on the 29th, their sale is going through the evening of the 29th, so make sure you visit that. I did. I'm still waiting for my shipment. Um, I have visited a few on Black Friday. I did a little bit of online shopping, not a lot, um, but I did pick up some stash fabric and some thread and uh, actually a new foot for my Janome that I want to try out. I should be getting that sometime this week, so I'm going to talk about that more in a future episode when I've had a chance to try it out, and I'll talk a little bit more about what foot it is and whether it worked or not. Um, Excitingly, I actually won one of Jay's giveaways, Jay of Art Quilt Maker, so I'm very excited. She won't tell me what it is. Dang it, I have to wait to actually get it, but I'm looking forward to getting it because I saw all the list of the possibilities, and they were all cool stuff, so I'm looking forward to seeing what I won. Yay, thank you, Jay. Okay, what did I get done? Well, actually, before Black Friday Sew-In Day, I had already completed my poppy's top. Um, That's the quilt that actually has two names. Its official name, you know, its AKC registered kennel club name, (laughs) is um, Are You Sleepy? Or You're Getting Sleepy. I'm sorry, I actually named it You're Getting Sleepy but I refer to it as the poppies Quilt. It's named You're Getting Sleepy because one of the Focus fabrics looks like poppies to me. I don't know what it actually is, but it looks like poppies to me. And poppies always remind me of Wizard of Oz, which is the reference to You're Getting Sleepy. Um, I do have the top completely done. I've got the borders on it, etc. cetera. Um, I'm still kind of waffling as to whether I want to quilt it myself and if I quilt it myself whether I'm going to do it on my own domestic machine or rent time on the long arm or whether I'm just going to send it out so I can move on to other things. I think I'm going to do it myself but I think I'm probably going to wait and try to get time on the long arm sometime after the holidays. I imagine the long arm is probably booked solid between now and Christmas and this is just a quilt for myself, so I'm not under, under any rush, except I'd like to cuddle under it. But other than that, I think I can wait. So I think I might wait until after the holidays to go in and rent some time on the long arm, because it would be good practice for that. Um, On BFSI, on Black Friday Sew In Day, I decided I wanted to, just kind of on a whim, I decided a few days before that I was going to do this, I made a disappearing nine patch. I had never made one before. I always thought they looked like a hoot to do. And I have a boatload of charm packs and five inch squares from a variety of places, plus just stuff I've cut out of my own scraps. So I thought, well, this looks like a fun way to get rid of a charm pack. And so I just used one charm pack, kind of more to test it out than anything, and had a great time. It is a fun technique. If you have not done a disappearing nine patch, I would recommend doing one. I think there's a few variations out there now, but the basic nine patch, disappearing nine patch is you make a nine patch and then you cut it exactly in half both ways. So you cut it in quarters and then you've, so you've made four blocks now out of your nine patch and the block is one, you know, five inch square, four inch, um, four and a half by now, because you've got some seams in there and then kind of two long, almost sashing type strips and a cornerstone. That's how it looks when you've cut it into four pieces. And then you can kind of flip flop those blocks around and do random designs or something that's a little more linear whatever you want to do. Um and that's hence how the nine patch disappears. It is a stinking fast project. I had now partly because I did start out with a charm pack so I um so it was already cut and because I was only doing one. I'm going to the next one I'm going to do I'm going to use two charm packs. So it'll take a little bit longer, but I had the entire top and borders done in about an hour and a half and if I had just plowed through and then quilted the whole thing too I probably would have easily had that thing done in half a day a day Um, great gift quilt great baby quilt um, great donation quilt that's what I'm going to use mine for I ended up um, because I had one charm pack I believe the center the disappearing nine patch part done with the charm pack if I recall, it was something like 25 inches square. That makes sense? Does it make sense? Something like 25 inches square. And I went on the internet. I had decided I wanted to do a wheelchair quilt because our guild has a woman who is working with a local, I think it's a cancer center um, at one of our hospitals to do, um, they're mostly doing knitted and crocheted Afghans. But for those of us who don't knit or crochet and know Francis, <laughs> I don't knit. <laughs> anyway for those of us who just don't do that um we had asked her can we do quilted ones she said okay so i looked it up on the internet and found a couple of places that said a wheelchair quilt basically is like 36 by 45 because you don't want it so long or wide that it gets tangled up in the wheels so you have to kind of have it short enough so it covers the legs but not so long that it drapes over and you know it can just kind of tuck under the legs so i went with a 36 by 45 which meant I had to um, do some figuring with a 25 inch square center. And what I ended up deciding to do, because I had the fabric to do it, and because I really just wanted to do this quickly, is I simply put a much wider border on the top and bottom than I did on the sides. And if I remember the measurements, it was something like a five inch finished border on either side and a nine inch finished, I think, border on top and bottom. and, you know, it's it's a more extensive border than I might normally do, but it works. I mean, it doesn't look ugly. It's still, and the, the colors are just gorgeous. I had the perfect fabric in my stash to go with this charm pack, so that worked well. Um, so, like I said, next time, I, I do want to do more of these things. I want to do more as donation quilts because they are just really cute and they are pretty fast um, and it's a great way to use charm packs, but I'm going to use two next time. Now, obviously, if I'd wanted to take more time with it, I could have added blocks or done other things to, you know, just increase the size of this. I just chose to do the fastest route that would still end up with a cute donation quilt done. Um, So I really enjoyed it. I did embed the video for the technique I used, which um, the video is from Missouri Star Quilt Company, and that's on my blog a few days back. So if you're curious, just kind of search back through my blog and you'll find it. And she'll also see a picture of my disappearing nine patch top done. So I'm going to do more of those. I did have fun. And actually, one of the things I ordered off of one of the fabric, fabric fabric.com, I think? No, Fat Quarter Shop. I bought a couple of charm packs, two of two different sets that I thought had more masculine colors. Do you know how hard it is to find charm packs that are more masculine colors? It's not hard to find fabric. That's more masculine colors, but the, the pre-cut packages, the, the jelly rolls and the charm packs are overwhelmingly girly, which, you know, usually I love. But when I'm trying to think about, well, you know, there might be some older gentlemen that would like to have a, a nice lap quilt, I'm pretty sure they don't want something with stinking bright flowers on it. So I did find, I think one of them is kind of a patriotic um, pack. But it's, you know, more geometric prints. And then the other one was kind of darker colors and more geometric prints. So we'll see if, you know, what I what they look like when I get them. But I think they'll be more masculine. Um, the other BFSI project I did was, this was very much a whim. This was kind of getting to the end of the day and deciding, you know, I feel like I want to use this fabric that I've had for a while. I had a, I think it was about a one-yard piece of a hand-dyed fabric. And it's it's cotton, but it's a much heavier Cotton um I don't even know what the word would be for it. It has kind of a suedey feel to it, um a little bit of fringy on the edge and hand dyed just gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous and then the same vendor I bought this from a vendor in Houston, and the same vendor had um done some she had a bunch of uh like squares and rectangles and things sold individually, also all hand dyed, but those had uh botanical like leaf shapes and things um, printed onto the the fabric. So I had bought this one yard piece and then pulled several of these leaf um, pieces that I really loved and just kind of bought them all with no strong sense of what I was going to do with them. It was just one of these, I'm in love with this, it must come home to live with me. Now I went to Houston in 2008, so it's lived with me for four years and it's been on my shelf and once in a great while I'd kind of pull it out and look at it and try to figure out what to do with it and then put it back on the shelf. Well, I decided, fisher cut bait, I'm just going to do something with this. Now the issue was, this yardage of hand-dyed fabric was so gorgeous front and back, I did not want to cover it up with batting and backing. So that meant I couldn't really make this in a traditional quilt. So I decided to make it what I refer to as a tapestry. I just left that yardage bare naked (laughs) it is just bare naked and then I took the um leaf prints and arranged them on the front of it did a very light I have a misty fuse I took a small piece of misty fuse and just very kind of lightly basted each one of them in place and then I took a piece of um yarn even though I don't knit Francis I do have a yarn stash I confess to this. I have been um, buying some yarn to use for embellishments, and I have some knitter friends who send me their more unique yarn um, scraps, so I've got kind of a little bit of a collection going, and I found one that works with the color, and I actually had to cut, I had to pull the yarn in half, so I think it had like a total of seven, what do you call it, threads kind of wrapped together, so I pulled it, so I had a set of like three or four, because that was what would fit through my needle. (laughs) I have a a big tapestry needle, but it wouldn't fit the full yarn. So I had to rip it in half. And then I just did a a large kind of primitive stitch around the edge of each one of these to hold them into place. And I left some fringe hanging off. And then to fill in a couple of little gaps, um, I just again stitched uh, the, the yarn through those couple of places. And there's a picture of it up on my blog. Oh, the other thing I did was I fringed the fabric even more. Um, because I just loved the way that the fringe looked on that yardage, so I emphasized it and did a little more fringing, and then I fringed each of the pieces. Um, I was kind of debating how to hang it, and where I posted on my blog, I said I was still thinking about hanging it, and um one of the commenters, I believe, AJ Dubb, I think, Amy, if I recall, had suggested um I don't, I'm sorry, I don't have the comment in front of me. I'll probably pull it up when I get to to listener feedback. But it's, she had suggested using ribbon or something. And I realized, yes, what I want to do, thank you, Amy, for that suggestion. Um, What I'm going to do is actually teach myself how to make buttonholes on my machine. I think I've made one buttonhole in my entire life uh, using my machine attachment. So it's time to pull it out. And I think what I'm going to do is put buttonholes across the top and then use yarn. And then I can tie it onto a stick. Because the problem with a stick is sticks are never even. And so you can't find a, you know, a straight stick that's going to hold something straight unless you use a technique like this, where then you can have yarn of different lengths. So it does hold the quilt straight, even though the stick isn't straight above it. Um, so I think that's what I'm going to do. So I really like that. And it's mostly, it's nice to finally use that fabric. I'm really in this kind of a mode of really trying to use my stash, not because I'm feeling like oh, I've got too much fabric. I actually feel, you know, I feel pretty good about the size of my stash. It's not huge, but it's workable. Um, But I've got these gorgeous fabrics I've always loved. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not doing it any good. If it's just laying there, I'm ignoring it. I'm breaking its little fabric heart. So I need to use it now. (laughs) So I'm really kind of working on that. So I got the tapestry done. That felt good. Then the other stuff I was doing was just all playing. And this is the mode I'm very much in. This is where I'm trying to get myself out of thinking in terms of projects and more thinking in terms of experiments. So um, I have been wanting for some time to test out Karen Lee Carter's dimensional flowers technique. If you remember Karen Lee Carter, uh, she is a listener to this podcast. And hi, Karen. And um, I interviewed her last February because it was or March. Whenever I was down in Virginia at the Mid-Atlantic Quilt Festival, whenever that was, and interviewed her. So there is an episode back then, which is an interview with Karen Lee Carter, and she has a dimensional flower technique um, that I've been wanting to try and just haven't um, gotten myself to that point, because I was always thinking in terms of big projects. Now I'm saying, heck, I'm just going to make a flower, and if I never do anything with that flower, that's okay. So I pulled out some scraps, and I made one of her dimensional flowers, and it's really cute. I like the technique. I need to get better at a satin stitch, (laughs) I did not do, I did really well on one part of my satin stitch, not so well on the other, but again, that's just practice. Um, unfortunately, I believe it is quite possible that, yes, I forgot to remove the paper backing off of one of the fusibles <laughs> before I put the rest of the fabric on. Oops. It's one of these things where I was just sewing along and doing my stitching, finishing up the last steps to the, the the flower, and I held it up and I said, this is really cute. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, it's making noise. It's crinkling. <laughs> Fabric doesn't normally crinkle. And so I'm kind of folding it back and forth and I'm like, yeah, I think I just sewed the paper backing from the fusible into the dang flower. But that's the nice thing about being experimental. I don't have to worry about it. Um. So that was a lot of fun. It's a great technique. I really enjoyed it and I'm going to do more. I had fun with that. And then I decided since I had this dimensional flower that had no other intended purpose, um, I would use it to as a twofer. And I tested out another um, technique that I had read in the Quilting Arts October-November magazine. I actually double-checked the pages that I'd ripped out of the magazine to see which month it was. In the October-November magazine of Quilting Arts magazine, there was a um, technique for, I don't know, I think of it as a cobweb. I don't remember what the title of the article was, but um, you cut the center out. So you have your quilt sandwich, you know, your, your finished piece. So you've got all the layers. You cut a hole, a big hole in those layers. Well, big hole, you know. Mine is probably three, four inches diameter. Um, The one in the magazine might be five to six inches diameter. I don't know if there's an upper limit to this. I imagine there would be at some point. Um, But basically you cut a hole out and then you uh, finish the edges of that hole. So like you can satin stitch them or you can do various techniques. They have a free motion technique in there that I did. And then you just sew straight across the hole and it leaves a chain of thread. And you go back and forth like three or four times and then you go back again uh, with over it with a really tight zigzag stitch and it pulls all that thread together into a, thing, a single thicker piece. And you do that to kind of create this see-through web in the middle of that hole. And it was really fun and I really love doing it. Um, there's also pictures of that on my blog. And I already have ideas about how I'm gonna use that next. I actually do have some Halloween fabric I wanna use. And of course, Halloween calls out for cobwebs. So that's gonna happen. Um, And then the rest of what I did, I threw together some practice sandwiches for quilting so I could uh, practice some free motion quilting. And then of course I worked on Easy Street week one. And I'm only, I'm probably about two thirds of the way through and like I said, I wanna try to finish that up tonight. Um, And there's pictures of that on my blog. So I'm not gonna talk a lot about Easy Street tonight other than to say, I think I'm remembering why I haven't done a bed size quilt in a very, long time. It's it's really intimidating to think I have to make 192 of what? Um, you know, it's not hard. This is not hard. It's just I haven't worked in that kind of quantity <laughs> in probably years. So it's hard for me to, you know, keep pushing myself at it. But I, you know, put my iPad up with some Netflix and just went to town and I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, all right. I think that's all of the Sandy update. There's other stuff that's been going on, but I'll hold off on it until next uh, episode because I, you know, I don't want this to be an hour long. So content, let's talk about what I've been reading and watching lately, because there's just a few things I want to let you know about. In the last episode, if you recall, the bulk of that episode was a review of a book I had recently purchased. Um, intuitive color and design adventures in art quilting by Jean Wells. Well, I loved that book so much that when I saw that she had actually come out with sort of a sequel to it, I bought the sequel. And so I've only had the sequel for a few days. So I'm still kind of working my way through it. I've skimmed it, but I am still reading it. This one is called journey to inspired art quilting, more intuitive color and design, of course, also by Jean Wells. It's very, very similar to the first one, but it's also different. And this is what I'm having problems wrapping my head around and I just need to spend more time with it, is how is it different? When you first start flipping through it, you think, oh, this is kind of just the same thing, because it's similar, you know, she talks about color, she talks about design, um, the same kinds of topics she covered in the first one, but it is different. She she starts out with a little bit more process. She talks about her process in taking an idea into design, um, she does talk more about that journal. I am going to work on that, I promise. Uh, she talks about getting inspiration again, which she talked about in the first one, but she, again, she, just a little different take on it. So I think, you know, when I first started flipping through it and thinking, oh, this kind of looks like a lot of the same stuff, I thought, oh, am I going to be disappointed that I bought this? Because is it just, you know, something where somebody wrote something and decided, well, let's just kind of repackage it and stick it out there again. But it's not. It is definitely more, deeper, different. I haven't quite entirely figured that out yet, but it isn't just exactly the same thing. And I do really like her perspective so much that I'm enjoying just reading it again, you know, even if I haven't entirely figured out exactly what's different about this book from the first one. But I do recommend it. Again, Journey to Inspired Art Quilting. I'm not going to do a full-out review on this one because, you know, read listen to the review I did of the last one and then just know that this one is similar but not the same if you're really interested in working more on design I would say probably both of these books could be good additions to to have both of them um, to your library okay the second very brief review I bought um, the PBS DVD of a documentary they had done I don't actually know when this when was this on Oh, 2007. It's actually older than I thought. I was reading quilt blogs and somebody mentioned this and I had never heard of it. So, And I'm sorry, I don't now remember where I saw it because it was one of these things where I saw a reference to this DVD being in existence and immediately hopped over onto the PBS website to find it. And I did have to go onto PBS. I did not find it like on Amazon or anything. Um, the Again, the video is called The Art of Quilting. And it's... A, a documentary they did where um, it they highlighted artistic exhibitions and documenting artists at work in their studios. Uh, from the back of the DVD, the art of quilting allows viewers to discover how the boundaries of traditional American quilt making have expanded. Um, it has a section; it's three segments. The first segment is about Quilt National, which is a exhibition of art quilts. Segment two focuses on the Chicago School of Fusing, which is a group of art quilters who do everything with fused quilts. That was a fun section. And then segment three is Art Quilts Philadelphia, which is every two years an exhibition of art quilts. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this DVD. It's 60 minutes. Um, A lot of times, you know, I watch a DVD once and I'm like, okay, I'm done. But this one's going to stay on my shelf because I could see myself pulling it off again. And watching it. It's just again, it's fun to one, you're being exposed to a lot of people that you may not have known about before, but then you also get a little bit of inspiration through seeing the images, you get some ideas through watching them at work. So I really enjoyed this. Again, that's The Art of Quilting DVD by PBS. And then lastly, two magazines that um one of them is a fairly new magazine. So I think I'm it's not just new to me. You may not also know that it exists, you might but you might not. And then the other one has been around for a while. I just had not read it before. So the first magazine is Quilty, Q-U-I-L-T-Y. And if you are into the whole Fons and Porter world, you know that Quilty is a new um, quilt. I think it's online only. I don't think it's actually being carried by stations. Um, It's a quilt show by... Uh, sorry, the name is too close to her mother's, so I tend to get them confused. Marianne Fons is, of course, Marianne Fons of Fons and Porter. Her daughter, Mary Fons now is doing um, Quilty, which is a quilt show. It's aimed more at um, beginning quilters. It's got a lot of sort of beginning techniques introducing to do different kinds of things, but it's also very modern quilting. Um, this magazine is very much in that vein. And you know, I wasn't positive since it is kind of a beginner's magazine. I wasn't sure I was going to see anything in there for me because I'm, I am no longer a beginner and it took me a long time to be able to admit that to myself, (laughs) but I actually really liked this magazine. Um, it's still not positive I'll subscribe because I'm not sure there's enough in there that I would see myself doing, but I was very impressed with the way it's laid out. I enjoyed some of the, um, Oh, not gimmicks. That's not the word I'm looking for. But it has like cartoon drawings in some places of little tips and hints to go along with the articles. Um, it's got little definitions here and there to help explain things. If people are new to quilting, this is a quick definition of what this means, that kind of thing. I, I really liked the way it was set up. I thought it was well laid out, well formatted. Um, I did like some of the uh, designs and patterns in there um again you know not positive i'm going to subscribe but not because i don't think it's a good magazine i'm just not sure if it's something i would get a lot out of at this stage but i would suggest you should check it out um i think it's worth you looking at and seeing if it's something you would want to do i really enjoyed this magazine actually has a lot more diversity in it than most quilt magazines do which i really really appreciated and I really got a kick out of the fact that they have this one section called Meet a Modern Quilter, in which they highlight very briefly a quilter with a picture of something that quilter's working on. And in this one, it's a 13 year old boy uh, named Shamond, probably Shamond Mondo Irvin. Um, and at 13, he's made three and a half quilts. And then it says, if you could have a shopping spree at a quilt shop or a sneaker store, which would you pick? And his answer was Dick's Sporting Goods. So he is still a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> but, um, you know, that was fun to see. That was very different from what you normally see. And so it was just, and they had some articles in there um, that were interesting. I I liked this magazine, and I think it's worth you checking out. Um, again, it's definitely aimed more at beginners, but that's not to say there isn't stuff in there that we'd all like to make or do. Um, Machine Quilting Unlimited, I'm pretty sure I'm going to subscribe to. I had seen this one in the bookstores before, but hadn't really picked up, partly because it it seems like it's going to be primarily for long armors, and there is a, log, a, lot, a lot of long arm stuff in there, but it isn't exclusively. There was much more for domestic machines than I thought. Um, of course, very, very intricate designs and things. Um, but I did get, you know, I just found a lot of inspiration. It's not all heirloom quilting kinds of things. They had a lot of art quilt styles in here, some a little bit of modern quilt in here, although it does definitely lean more towards traditional. Um, and then just some neat articles and profiles of people and that kind of thing. So I did enjoy that magazine as well. I pretty sure I probably will subscribe to that one just to get a little bit of something different in my life. I'm actually, part of my issue with Quilty Magazine is not the problem with it being beginners, but I'm moving away from, um, what am I trying to say? I am a magazine junkie. I've talked about that before. I love magazines. They're one of my primary forms of uh, relaxation, but I've been finding in the last probably 18 months to two years that I don't do patterns out of magazines much anymore. Very rarely, once in a great while, I will use a pattern out of a magazine. Um but mostly I'm designing my own quilts now. So the whole I'm I'm kind of reassessing which magazines I subscribe to. If they are really only patterns, I'm probably less likely to subscribe to them at this stage in my career than if they have techniques or things that I can put into play in a variety of other places. So that's just kind of where I'm at mentally. That being said, I've for many, many years really loved the Pattern Magazine, so I'm not knocking them. I think they're great. Okay, that's the stuff I just wanted to let you know about Journey to Inspired Art Quilting by Gene Wells, the PBS DVD The Art of Quilting, um, Quilty Magazine, and Machine Quilting Unlimited. Listener feedback. Uh, like I said, okay, we're already at 42 minutes, so I don't... <laughs> I can't spend a whole lot of time on this, but I do want to um, respond specifically to a couple of comments. Thank you so much to Quilt and Jenny, who responded to episode one oh eight, in which we have some pizzazz, um, and that's the one in which I had referred to my nine uh, nine patch. Piz- I'm sorry, not nine patch. Yes, nine patch pizzazz quilt that when I first started it, I didn't really know why I was making it. I just wanted to make it. And then I ended up um, giving it to a friend of mine who lost her husband very unexpectedly. And Jenny said, I think that quilt was meant to be. You just didn't know why when you started, which is very, very true. And by the way, um, my friend did receive the quilt and she posted to Facebook about it. She really loves it. So that makes me feel good that I'm able to offer her some comfort in that way. Uh, Quilton Jenny also said, wish I had jumped into the band book challenge. Couldn't quite get my act together, but I will not miss it if you do it again next year. And yes, we are doing it again. I believe Tanisha has already talked about this on her podcast, which is Crafty Garden Mom. She and I have already had some conversation about next year's and we're starting to do a little bit of planning. And I actually have a little bit of something I need to uh, let her know about first, but something else I've done on my end of things um, that I'm really, really excited about. So definitely that banned book challenge is going to happen again next year. Uh, So as Tanisha and I both say, find the list of banned books and start reading the books. on it. This is our own little nonviolent protest, I guess. Um, Heather Kay, thank you so much for your comment on episode 110 in which I review a book. Um, And she wanted to make sure that I did actually try to start working on a sketchbook. She says, I don't consider myself skilled at all in drawing. Mostly I draw like a seven-year-old, but I got some colored pencils and actually drawing things out in my own silly way and coloring them in has helped me to remember ideas. I make mostly dolls, only a little quilting, but it helps to see my dolls fleshed out and makes the process much easier. I would show you my sad drawings, but they are all packed up until our move is done. Heather, I would love to see pictures of your dolls. I'm not a doll person myself, and, and I would never, well, you know, never say never, but I can't imagine myself making one. But when I've been to Houston and at other quilt shows that have the doll um displays, those are fascinating. There are some gorgeous dolls out there. Um, So I'd really enjoy seeing what you do. So whenever you do stop moving and can unpack stuff, um, shoot us some pictures. I would love to see the dolls that you make. Karen in North Carolina commented on episode 110 as well that she has signed up to take a class with Jean Wells in February. And um, she's really looking forward to that. So I'm jealous. I hope you have fun and I'll look forward to hearing about how it went. So make sure you let us know. Give us a review of your class after you're done. Um, let's see, thank you so much for to- Tori for also reviewing and or for commenting and very lazy Daisy as well, and very lazy Daisy. I'm sorry you have been not feeling well. I was just kind of backtracking through your blog again today and thinking about you sending you some healthy, happy thoughts, so I hope you do well um she did comment by the way very specifically, let's see, oh. I had mentioned the idea that the denser a quilt is quilted, the stiffer it might be. And she says, while I agree mostly with that, I wanted to add my thoughts. The last several quilts I've made, I have quilted very densely, and I absolutely love the texture it gives the finished quilt. To keep them drapey and soft, I have a couple of tips. One, I don't wash my fabrics first. After it is quilted and it looks very flat, I wash and dry the quilt and it softens up so nicely. Number two, I use a 100% cotton batting that has a little bit of shrinkage to it, adding to this crinkly effect. Um, So yes, very lazy daisy. I definitely agree with that. And I love, I don't pre-wash my fabrics either, partly because specifically I love that look. I I use 100% cotton batting on pretty much everything. Once in a while, I'll use something different, but mostly it's 100% cotton. And I love washing it afterwards and getting that crinkly effect. Absolutely love that. So I'm with you on that one. Um, oh, there's the very comment I was referencing earlier. It was indeed AJ Dub, and she says, um, this was on, um, in reference to the tapestry. She said, possibly drapery clips or ribbon loops on the top to insert a branch or dowel. Um, I had already been thinking about the drapery clips, but after reading your thing about the ribbon loops, I thought, oh yes, I could do buttonholes and yarn. <laughs> so thank you again for that, AJ Dub. Um, Thank you so much to uh, Jackie, who loved my hand-dyed project with the leaf fabric. And unfortunately, no, I do not remember the vendor. And often I keep the cards of vendors that I've purchased stuff from. But unfortunately, since that was four years ago, the cards are gone. So I don't remember the vendor. But if you're back at Houston, just look around. She's probably still there. Thank you so much to Jay and to Jennifer and to Margaret um, and to Sherry D., for commenting on my Black Friday sew-in-in-review so blog post, and some of them had also participated in BFSI, and other ones weren't able to, but tried to follow along as much as they could. Um, thank you to oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to stop because I was about to say thank you to anonymous. But you know why I kept this comment in my files was because it was too entertaining. So here was a comment I received on one of my blog posts. This was after I had changed my settings because people were having problems with the word verification. So I had somebody ask me to turn it off. So I hesitated, but I decided, okay, let me try it. Well, it's going back on again. Um, Here is a comment I received unquestionably believe that which you said. Your favorite justification seemed to be on the web the simplest thing to be aware of. I say to you, I certainly get irked while people consider worries that they plainly don't know about. You managed to hit the nail upon the top, as well as to find out the whole thing without having side effects. People could take a signal. We'll likely be back to get more. Thanks. (laughs) And then there was all sorts of spam after it. It was was a very um, sort of surreal free verse. I enjoyed it. (laughs) But yes, the the spam word verification stuff is going back on. I apologize. Um, Thank you so much to uh, Quilt and Jenny again. And Kate, who has 50 at that point, 50 of her Easy Street um, pieces finished. Margaret had... Two dozen left to assemble, although by now she was hoping to be done. So, Margaret, I hope you're done. Um, Sandra B. cheered me on and said I would have them done before I knew it. Um, Lori liked my recipe for corn chowder. I hope you have tried it by now. Uh, again, AJ Dubb and Margaret and Sandy of Quilt Cabana Corner, who, by the way, has said she's already got my postcard done. I haven't finished hers yet. And Susan, thank you so much for all of your comments on my quilt top complete, um, which I believe, without looking back at my blog, I think that's the Poppy's quilt, not positive. Um, And Jay, oh, Jay loves the book that our design study group just chose. Fiber Artist's Guide to Color and Design is awesome, she says. It is the book I would have written if I had thought of it. It's a must-have for every quilt-making studio. And then she says, I'm going to be mad if you talk too much about it because I use it a lot for the design series. <laughs> so, um, Jay, I will try not to talk too much about it, but it is a really, really good book. Be a Quilter, thank you so much. Um, and Holly Yu and Jay and Landscape Lady and Shelly and Sherry D, uh, all of you commented on one of my pre-BFSI blogs. I appreciate that. Um, oh, and I did also want to let you know that Amy has posted an item in the Big Tent group for sale, our very first use of the classified ads in Big Tent. Oh, and look at that. I've got one more new comment that just came in. Let's see. She says, congratulations on cutting up that gorgeous leaf fabric. Oh, I have to say, actually, I didn't cut it up. It came that way, so I didn't have to do that. Um, But she says, I did it justice. Thank you um oh and she said it was a piece of art worthy of quilters art magazine I appreciate that uh she wants me she wants to know if I will hang this piece in my office space so I can enjoy it every day actually I don't have any room left in my office space because most of my office is taken up with quilt rulers hanging on the wall Um, but I do have my eyes on a spot in my bedroom for it so it will get hung up there So thank you, everybody, for your comments. Really appreciate it. As always, remember to be thinking about the upcoming Quilty New Year's resolution giveaway. Start thinking about what your resolutions might be, and then next week I will tell you what kind of format they're going to be in. So that is that for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to hearing from you. As always, you know how you can be in touch with me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com. That's Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. You can follow the blog. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, and Thread Bias, Craftsy, Stitch Talk, Tom Spoolery, if they all still exist, and Google+, Plus, which I am sometimes on. And I am Sandy Quilts in all of those places. Why? and Z. And you can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Facebook. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us group and Flickr, on Flickr, and of course the Easy Street group now as well, and join the Big Tent Quilt Cast Super group, and then the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup, and the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team. And you will find links for all of that at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And do remember, of course, that the show is also now on Stitcher. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. And that's it for this episode. Until next time, go get your quilty on.